Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dos Hermanos. I'm Jake Landry. Hey, this is Gustavo. It's been uh, it's only been seven days since we did a podcast, Gustavo, but so much has happened. And that is the nature of, of this World Cup. Um, we're done with the group stages. We're actually four games into the round of 16. I, I don't even know exactly where to start, but let's just react to what happened today, which was England beating Senegal and France beating Poland. Was there any surprise for you today, Gustavo? I was expecting England to win, but to be honest with you, the first half Senegal looked so good. I was actually thinking that they were going to score, and they should have scored, but obviously this World Cup has proven that if you don't score in the beginning, if your team is pushing forward and pressing and attacking, but you don't score, you're going to get scored on. I mean, it happened yesterday with uh, the U.S. and Netherlands game. Uh, We had an opportunity I think it was the fifth minute and we didn't score and then we got scored on and it's happened with Australia as well and Argentina. And I feel like I was going to say, yeah, and even yeah. with Poland and France, uh, it happened. Poland was pushing forward. They wanted to score. It was really, 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 really close and they didn't score. And then, you know, after that, France came back. So, but you asked me about England and Senegal. <laughs> There's a lot that has happened. So I might be all over the place, but we just finished England and Senegal. England beat them 3-0. I think the Senegalese team did an amazing job uh, overall in this World Cup. They could have done better, but they didn't have Sadio Mane. And so for them to get this far, I think it was just uh, a good thing for them. And also, Jake, I just found out that their coach has been with them for like seven years, which is like... Yeah, seven years they said. Which is like unheard of. I think that's pretty cool. He seems like a pretty cool dude. And I mean, they are the champions of Africa. Uh, And so, all glory to Senegal. They did amazing. Of course, England is one of the most exciting teams in this World Cup. Uh, What do you think of of the game today in particular, Jake? Yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, one thing that I do just want to say about the commentary is that. Um, you know, it's gotten a lot of flack all across the board uh, from a lot of people. I, I don't think it's been so bad, um, but there have been some things that I think I was talking to a friend yesterday and he felt like people are just being very positive about everything. Like there's no harsh criticism of anything. And I definitely think that is true. And and I think it is part of, you know, the culture of broadcasting. And, you know, we've seen people come in and out because of comments and things. So I think that Things are very flowery. But one of the things today was a comment about the U.S. and saying that, you know, based on the way that things are going for Senegal today, the U.S., you know, really their impressive draw was even more impressive seeing this today. And and I just push back against that because for me, this was England's first game in some ways. Right. I mean, let's be honest about it. England was in a group with Iran, Wales and the USA. And so for them to to be a hundred percent present during the group stage. Like if you're looking at England and the group stage and kind of evaluating them based off that, come on guys. I don't think they really were like, okay, now the world cup starts until today. And what we saw today was a great team. I mean, the goal that Henderson scored, I believe it was the first goal from Bellingham, the way that Bellingham ran to the, the, the end line and then put that ball back and just, that is what Nunez and Diaz were supposed to be at Liverpool. And that's, I felt like watching that day was like, I bet Henderson's just like, this is what we're supposed to be doing at Liverpool. And we've gone <laughs> away from that 
with these new young, you know, I guess strikers. I mean, Diaz is, is a left wing, but even still, I thought England was brilliant today. I thought they looked great. There was another goal that Saka scored where the ball in from Foden, where when the ball came out to Foden, he could have passed it to Bellingham, Kane, or Saka. All of them would have been good. Obviously, Saka led to the instant goal, but it was just one of those moments where he like hesitated for a second and it was. It was like, huh, there's really no bad option here. So I think England looks great. I think they're going to do great. And I think they've officially arrived here at the World Cup. So good for them. And same with France. I mean, again, not that we're going to talk too much about this, but France and Poland today too. Like, And I think, honestly, these last four games, it's it's a little disappointing that they were so predictable. The Netherlands beat the U.S., Argentina beat Australia, England beat Senegal, and France beat Poland. Like, Wouldn't it be great if there was one upset there? I'm a little disappointed about that, to be honest. Yeah, and I have to say, first, I, I play indoor soccer on Monday nights, and there is a guy from West London that plays with us. And to prove your point... During the the group stages, I would ask him about England and what he thought, and he seemed so confident that, that they were just going to cruise by. And even against the 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 game with Wales, I asked him like, "What are you thinking? Like, how are you seeing England?" And he was pretty much just like, "You know what? They're gonna they're gonna you know this is this is basically over for us. Like, we're we're good. We're through. Uh, we're we're fine." And so to see them with such confidence, I do have to say in the beginning of the first half, like the first 20 minutes, if you saw the English fans, their faces, they seemed like they were so worried about this Senegalese team. And obviously, like not to diminish the rival, but, you know, they, they just looked like they, they were already kicked out of the World Cup. And it goes to tell you, it goes to say, how much pressure this English team has and what the fans are expecting. And you know what? Even me as a non-English, but a Premier League fan, actually, I expect a lot from this team because you look at this team and you think, this is the Premier League. We have players from Liverpool, Chelsea. Uh, we have players from the smaller teams, Tottenham. Don't worry, I'm, I'm going to mention Kane in a second. Who scored for the first time this World Cup? But I, I have to say, he has been decisive. He's definitely... Uh, assisted a few times. He's been very, very decisive. I believe he's the captain as well, right? And yeah, he's he, yeah, and and yeah, I think he's he's really had a great presence on the field. Not like last World Cup where he was scoring all the goals, but his presence has really helped the team a lot. I and think. You, you know, something we could, I mean, we could make a whole episode on just England because I, I want to make note of a few things with this English team. Last World Cup, I feel like Harry Kane was carrying the team but in a not in a good way like the pressure was completely on Harry Kane and this group I, for the first time and I mean I remember watching England England play in 2006 when they had Lampard and Steven Gerrard and all the legendary players like the golden you know era of the English team but it's really nice to see in 2022 that the pressure is not all towards Harry Kane and that he actually has incredible and young players up front that are doing phenomenal. I, I am very glad and happy for Saka. He deserves it more than anyone else after what happened in the Euros and with all the comments that, you know, people were saying about him because he missed a penalty. And also even for players that I really don't like, like Harry Maguire, I'm actually happy for him. He seems like he's really completely turned around 
whatever is happening with Manchester United. And I also, obviously, as a Liverpool fan, to see Henderson score the first goal. He, what is he, like 32, 33? He's an older guy. And yet, you know, he has the English heart. I mean, when I think of Henderson, I think of, sorry, when I think of an old English player, I think of Henderson. And so to hit, to see him score was really cool for me as a Liverpool fan. But Again, Foden, we could talk about England the whole entire episode, and I couldn't stop bragging about uh, how great they are doing. And for some reason, I've become a, even a bigger fan of them. And it's simply because I love the Premier League. So when you see England play, you're seeing familiar faces, familiar names, and you're seeing familiar styles of play. And Pickford, I have to say, what a great goalkeeper he's been for England. He was an amazing goalkeeper last World Cup. I, I don't know if you remember the the semi, uh, the quarterfinals with Colombia. I think it was the quarterfinals where he stopped a, a penalty and it got them through. And so, again... He had a massive save today when, like you said, Senegal was attacking a lot and that left-handed... Uh, I don't know how he got to that ball. I forget who shot it, but oh my gosh, that left-handed parry that it was one of those ones where... When you watch the replay, I mean, he was strong with the hand, but the hand barely got there. It was it was quite a save. Also, I want to hear you talk about Bellingham because to me, he's slowly becoming one of my new favorite players in this World Cup. He is 19 years old, brother. This yeah, English he, team, yeah. which is also, this makes me really excited for football uh, in general because to think that Mbappe is not even 24... To think that the whole Spanish team basically is like under 25, most of them. To think of England and look at players like Foden and Saka and all these players that are coming up who are so young. I don't think I've ever felt like this excited for the future of soccer. Uh, thinking of like 2014 Brazil and 2018 in, in Russia. I don't think there was this excitement of young players like this uh, who not just started shining in this World Cup, but they were already great players for their teams, you know, and we were just talking, I was texting you, Jake, about, um, uh, what is the name of that player, the Polish player that plays in... Oh, Matty Cash, Matty my Cash, boy. Matty Cash, you know, and so all my these exciting players that, that, that... I want him to come to Tottenham so bad. Right, right. So I want to hear you uh, talk, your opinion about regarding Bellingham for sure. What Are, are you as excited yeah, as Yeah, I mean, it, well, I am, and he's another interesting player, and you could argue that uh, Giovanni Reina is also in this position. Holland was the last one who's at Dortmund, which is a club that gets these really talented. Pulisic was a Dortmund guy. You know, there's, there's a list of players who kind of get their start at Dortmund. Dortmund gets them when they're these kind of wonder kids and young and just doing amazing things, and then they go and take a big step. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where Bellingham is going to be. And I think it's a great point what you're saying for, you know, I mean, older, we're in our early thirties, 31, 32. Like, you know, when you, when you think that some of these players like Harry Kane and, you know, maybe some others aren't going to be around for very much longer. It's pretty exciting. Or maybe at the biggest clubs at the, you know, front and center for very much longer. It's exciting that there's all these young players that aren't even necessarily in the Premier League yet, but hopefully find their way there. Like you made a great point today. We were talking about Mbappe and you said, you know, he's really not going to prove that he's or, or for, fulfill his greatness unless he comes to a legitimate league. And that's the thing with being on PSG, right? I mean, So I'm excited. I hope that these players, you know, obviously our podcast is about the Premier League. You and I 
love that league more than the others. Right. Um, you know, not sorry. I'm not sorry about it. So <laughs> for me, like, I really hope that these players choose to come to the Premier League. I was a big proponent of Messi to Man City when that was a topic of right. conversation. And I think it's disappointing that that didn't happen. It's too bad that that didn't happen. So let's go ahead and pivot because, you know, we we only have so much time. And I do, you know, one of the things that you mentioned that I wanted to give as a preface to talking about the U.S. is you talked about the pressure. And before we talk about the U.S. and, and what happened against Netherlands, I do want to just say that the amount of pressure that these tournament or really the world cup must bring to a player. And, you know, I want to give a quick shout out to Ted Lasso, because I think that show does a good job of kind of, you know, showing and the Amazon documentaries that have done like those seasons with, you know, city right. and Tottenham and kind of showing the behind the scenes, the amount of pressure as an athlete and the way that sports are and, you know, I'm a guy with ball anxiety. Like when I get the ball in soccer, like it's a it's a scary moment, right? <laughs> when that ball's at your feet. So to have the weight of a country on your feet is is a tremendous amount of pressure. And I just want to lead off with that in saying that the U.S. team, you know, they really did a great thing in making it out of the group. They totally lived up to an expectation that was put on them. And, you know, we're obviously going to talk about the Netherlands and it was a rough match. And they'll, you know, the interviews were today, Gustavo, there were some more player reactions and, you know, everyone's saying the right things, which is that they really let themselves down and, and everyone down defensively with the game against Netherlands. But again, I just want to say like huge respect to them. I love this team. I was so happy, you know, with and I was glad that Gio Reyna was able to get in. And, you know, I, I was sort of critical of his effort as to maybe a reason why he hadn't played I thought he looked great and you know it was hard not to watch that Netherlands second half and think man Gio Reyna should have been in this team more so let's jump fully into the U.S. Gustavo I mean how, were you shocked like what what how did it feel for you I was completely disappointed and I spoke to a few friends of mine who were watching the same game and had the same kind of expectation towards playing against the Netherlands, the first thing I want to say, the team just completely, it, it was to me unrecognizable to the team that faced England and to the team that fa faced Wales. Um, because, and I'm a, even especially Iran as well, and I'm going to tell you why. I think mentality plays a big role in these games. Like you were saying, pressure is really important. The Netherlands is legendary by name, but in this World Cup, I don't think they were that impressive of a team. Um, I think they tied to Ecuador. You know, they, they really didn't do well in the group stages. So I wasn't expecting the Netherlands to do well, especially Memphis Depay, which to me, he's such a, uh unpredictable player. He is the worst sometimes, and then he can be the best at times. And did you see what he said? I don't know if it was in a tweet or Instagram post about like old bark, no no action or something like that. And so that really made me upset. And I, you know, him being a Barcelona player, I think he's still a Barcelona. I don't, you know, he's been injured for so long. I mean, he is kind of an a-hole. Like right, he, right. I'm not shocked that he made a rude comment. But for him to say that, and I'm looking at the the Instagram account now to just make sure, but I think it was on, it was on Twitter and he said that to basically replying to uh, a commentator, I, from the U.S. who was basically 
saying that we could beat the Netherlands. But anyways, I don't want to get to that too much. What I want to say about this game is completely disappointing to see a player like Blend score. You know, it's just not, he's not even in his best moment. And then the way that the goals happen were just uh, really, I don't know, the players didn't seem like they were, they were completely head on the game that day. And so, but I have, I do have to say the positive out of all these things is I do have a lot of pride in what these players did. They're very young. The next World Cup is going to be in the U.S. I think we should keep the coach. You might disagree with me, Jake. We should keep our coach. Uh, and well, I'll say I don't think he's going to survive four years. Like whether, I mean, a lot of people are being very critical of him. And, you know, we can get into that. But regardless, four years is a long time. So even if you say, you know, I hear you, I like the coach. I mean, four years from now, dude, the world's going to, it's just going to be a very different place. So I just, I, I'm with you. Like, I'm not saying fire him today. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm open to hearing both sides, but either way, I, I would, I don't know. I'd be surprised if in four years we still have the same coach. That's a long time. Well, the reason why I say that is because I feel like if we think long term, we can develop these young players for them to succeed even more in Europe. I think that's where that's where success is. And I heard a Mexican commentator say something about this regarding the Mexican team and how most of their players don't play in Europe and they all play in the Mexican league, which is trash, basically. They said it, I didn't say it. And um, I, I mean, no one watches the Mexican league unless you're from Mexico, to be honest with you. And But they were saying how the Mexican team cannot exceed expectations unless they have players playing in the big games, in the big leagues, because... It teaches them pressure. If you're playing at Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool, Chelsea, you you got pressure week week in week weekend and week week out. I mean, it's constant pressure, and so I think. And the MLS, I'll just say the MLS has now. I would say in the last two to three years. Yeah. Really, maybe since COVID, I feel like that was like a kind of transition time for the MLS. In some ways, like. Now I feel like that has pressure. Like the MLS right. Cup has significance that I don't know if it it had the same gravity recently. So, right. yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about the Mexican League, but definitely I would say I'm more, I'm, you know what I'm doing? I'm defending your man Zimmerman. I'm saying that like, <laughs> even if you play in the MLS, like yeah. you're getting some exposure to that. He did have a good game. You know, uh, we lost, but the goals weren't necessarily well, well, his fault. Let, let me say this. Let me say this. Christian Pulisic did say, that he thought he was offsides when he shot the shot that he missed in the third minute. Right. And, you know, for me, I think, and, and again, this is being very critical of, of a millisecond of time, but what it looked like to me is that he, like the cheekiness and the confidence that would come with going through the keeper's legs, he didn't have that. He, he looked like he was trying to bend it around the keeper because... Again, like it's it's kind of the difference of like, you know, a player, you know, like that guy who everyone hates at pickup, but is so cheeky and good and knows the game right. so well that, right. you know, he does things with ease. And I think that was one of the things with that goal is even though he thought he was offsides, whatever it was, I just thought it was more again, like the right way to score is is going past the keeper where it's like, man, if you were like cheeky and just like really uber confident which again i don't even fully want that like i just i wish he had put that through the keeper's legs because when you watch it it was just like oh it was right there like it was 
it was there. And I, I do wonder if him thinking he was offsides and, and again, and, and that's the thing for me is, you know, I was out with a group of people. It was, it was, it was a pretty good time actually. And, and we were actually right next to a group of Dutch. So it was, or I guess Netherlanders. I, I don't know yeah, what, Dutch, what's the Dutch, proper term. Dutch yeah, is Dutch. proper. Yeah. Okay. So like, you know, we were right next to each other and, and it was fun. I mean, we were interacting with each other. Obviously they had a better time than we did, but like, you know, one of the things is just when there was one minute left of stoppage time, I looked at my friend and we were both like, Oh wow. One minute. That's really peculiar. We looked up and the goal was scored and I can't help, but feel like when everyone saw one minute, even the players switched off for a second, like, Oh, right. that's, there's something about that that I just feel was distracting and I'm not using it as an excuse, but you know, in all their goals, for whatever reason, folks were turned off. Right. And right. I felt like on that one, you know, that second goal was, I, I texted you. I said, if the result holds, the story is that they're not ready. And right. I think ultimately that's, what's been reported and talked about is that they just weren't ready for the bigness of that moment. And it's too bad because I think that they far exceeded expectations in the group and they looked really good. Right. But I think they actually played better than their confidence level was at because yep. I feel like with the Netherlands, they faced, you know, I know everyone's going to talk about England in the group, but I've already touched on that. Like, I feel like with the Netherlands was your first real, you know, Test. balls on the line yeah like in yep. some ways like i know i know iran was a do or die but you still came into that thinking like it's fucking iran right Oops, my bad no it's true <laughs> um, i mean it's true but right but like that's what you were thinking but then when you played when you played um you know netherlands i, I really think they I, I don't know if it was like a lack of confidence that like but but let me say something else so this was brought up i'm sorry i'm rambling but you know, one of the things with that third goal, especially if you don't remember the third goal, it's when Dumfries was was so they were had they had just scored to make it two to one. Right. They were really focused on scoring. Like you could tell everyone was really locked in to get the ball. So the Netherlands had just gotten possession and they were taking it up on the left side and Dumfries was on the other side. And if you watched all the U.S. players were just watching the ball like they were right. intent on winning the ball and going, which, again, isn't a terrible thing. But Dumfries was coming free and no one was even took us a, a millisecond to look over their shoulders and see. And that's why he got a wide open goal after a cross. And and for me, having Antonio Conte as my coach, Conte would never allow right. the Spurs players to not be look. He would be screaming right. at them right. about Dumfries. So like I that third goal, I mean, you can't really blame a coach, I guess, but like I do have to ask. Like I want to go back and look and look at Burhalter on that goal and see what he's doing because like, you know, again, it's just I feel for them, but their goals were embarrassing. And it, that's the part that I think was the most upsetting is we lost ugly. We looked really sad for three milliseconds. Right. But though each millisecond led to a goal. And that part was really unfortunate. And for that third goal, I went back and saw it multiple times because I was wondering why did the defenders not say anything to each other? Zimmerman didn't say anything. Uh, Ram didn't say anything. Like Robinson, like I don't. I just wish that they could at least scream at each other. Like, hey, there's you know Dumfries is free. Like you know, I don't know. It's just, to me that's something that I see every weekend in Zimmerman. He screams, has leadership, and is always telling players, you know, what to do in a good way, like leading the players to defend better. But yeah. in the in in the U.S. team, I don't think he has that. 
trust maybe because he doesn't play with you know them maybe because he's not the captain like he's like our cat- captain sometimes in Nashville SC but anyways um very but that's also very like something that happens when you're scared is you get quiet and so right. I I just it, again it's just unfortunate because they really were fantastic like I can't say this enough like they stole my heart this World Cup and I'm so happy for it yes. and I'm disappointed that it ended in that way. And, and, you know, again, I'm a new England fan. So obviously people are like, Oh, Patriots, all the championships, but the Bruins did this lately. The Celtics did this last year where it's like, you're so close and right. you're right there, right. but you shrink in that moment. And I definitely think the U S shrunk against the Netherlands. So that was too bad, but Messi didn't, although it looked like it for a second against Argentina. I was I was worried for you, Gustavo. Your, your man almost <laughs> lost it there. I think if I if was I was Argentinian, I would suffer a heart attack because every Argentinian game, it feels like they're playing to die. <laughs> and so, but Messi, I, regardless of what people are saying, like haters are saying in, in the media, I think he's having a great World Cup. He's scoring four goals, surpassed Maradona as, uh, with when it comes to the goal scoring. Um, strike in the World Cups, and he's been a very productive player, not only as a goal scorer, but also giving assists and also uh, forming plays and just moving around the field and reading the, the, the game in such a phenomenal way. Argentina, the thing with Argentina, see, when I think about a World Cup winner for this World Cup, I think of France, I think of England, I think of Spain. And let me tell you why I only say those three teams. I, I feel like if a team cannot attack and score more than one goal, I just I just don't see them winning the World Cup. This World Cup is going to be by small margins, meaning the, the winner is going to win by very small margins, and you need to score goals. In Argentina, they just seem like they get the job done. But again, like you would say, the real test for Argentina doesn't start until now the on friday when they play the netherlands because so far they haven't played a team that it's in the top 10 of the fifa you know teams like so the netherlands will be their first test i think they can beat the netherlands but again it saddens me to say this but i don't see argentina winning this world cup simply because they don't have a scary attacking mentality and when i again when i look at friends they you know it reminds me of real madrid as much as i hate to say it real madrid could play the worst game ever and still win it like that's just how that's the, the winning mentality i see that in france i see that in england england looked really like they were gonna lose this game in the first 15 minutes if you really look at the game you you, you thought even it was, longer than that yeah, yeah the first 35 and then if yeah, you saw the friend i don't know if you saw the friends game but like Pol- oh, I poland yeah, yeah, yeah. poland was yeah. looking very scary like they had like four clear chances to score in the first half but then the moment and this happens again this happened with england the moment they the, the friends scored it was a completely different story in the moment that england scored it's like the confidence came back and i don't see that with, with argentina well, I thought that was true in some ways for the U.S. too. When the Netherlands scored, it took it took the U.S. twenty five minutes right to recover from that Netherlands goal, and I think it was the Timothy Weah uh, volley outside of the box that the whole yep. world needed to go in because that <laughs> would have been the goal of the World Cup. That oh was, yeah, that was an amazing strike. So let let's okay. So there's a lot to reflect on. I even 
I do just want to talk about a moment, which was Uruguay going out um, when they won against Ghana, but South Korea had scored in the 90th minute. The Portugal-South Korea game was a little bit ahead. Um, and it was it, it's too bad that Fox hasn't been showing the extended highlights like NBC usually does. Right. They've been giving very short highlights, so it's kind of you don't get to see all of like the feel of the game, but if you had the extended highlights, all the Uruguayan players were like crying on the sideline, winning, realizing right. in the last, you know, and they had time to score. There was also some contentious penalties. We don't have too much time. Let's let's go on to what is going to be tomorrow, which, you know, I mentioned earlier, no underdogs have won. I think if we're going to see an underdog, um, it could be these next two games. So we have Japan taking on Croatia at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning and Brazil taking on South Korea at 2 p.m. I think I'm, I'm guessing that Japan is the underdog in that game, but I wonder, I wonder by how much, because I actually think, I don't think Japan and Croatia, from what I've seen, are that far apart. Brazil, South Korea. Brazil's gonna take that I mean, one for sure. Yeah. Name yeah. Neymar's back. Uh, uh, this is really exciting. I think tomorrow will be even closer than than today. Like when it comes to scores, I think Japan's gonna win it um, by a goal or two. Brazil, I think because Neymar's back, I, I have a feeling they're they're gonna be inspired. Um, and but. Watch out. Maybe which which underdog do you think that could actually take like win it tomorrow? Well, that, I'm actually looking up the odds for Japan. Yeah, so for Japan, they're they're not massive underdogs. So they're at plus two ninety, which is like bet a dollar and get two dollars and ninety cents back. Whereas South Korea is is plus a thousand, so it's like bet a dollar get ten dollars back. So I mean, Vegas or you know the people that be at DraftKings agree with you, Gustavo. Brazil is going to win that game. You know, obviously. Again, for me, I like Japan. I like Japan, but let me actually throw this out too, which would complicate. I don't know if you are someone who puts you know things down on soccer. I actually think Japan Croatia could be the first game that we see go to extra time. Yeah, I I agree with you. Yeah, be- simply yeah. because Croatia plays to defend most of the time, especially now that I don't think Mansuki it's Mansuki still playing with Croatia. No. Yeah, no, especially now they don't have Mansuki's like I, I agree with you. I'm really, really excited because out of these four teams is gonna be the team that will face eventually either the Netherlands or Argentina. Everyone wants to see a Brazil Argentina semifinal or quarterfinal, I guess in this case. But we um, we'll see. I mean, I'm rooting for Japan. I I hope that a non-European team, besides Latin American teams, makes it to like the semifinals this time. But I see that really difficult because the well, only yeah, go ahead. No, no go the ahead. only non-European teams that could potentially make it to a semifinal right now is the, the Asian teams: Brazil, uh, South Korea, or Japan. And then Morocco, which is an African team, which I don't see them, you know, winning on Tuesday. But well, let's talk about that because I was just looking at the dates, and if we go on next Sunday, the corner finals will be over by then. So we don't even know what two of the games are going to be. But let's let's let, let's uh, let me ask you this: What do you think about Morocco and Spain, and then Portugal and Switzerland? Quickly, just like you said about England, I think this is the first real game for Spain. I think they're going to bring it home. I think they're going to take it like and win this game. And then Portugal Switzerland is the is the only game out of all these games 
that I really don't know. It just I just don't mm -hmm. know. I never I haven't paid much attention to Switzerland to be honest with you. And so you might actually know more about, you know, the the odds yeah, in this game. I, and I'm happy to give a take on that. For me, I I think that Portugal is I think they might be out for blood this World Cup. Like I really do. And so Switzerland, you know, great win against Serbia. There's a lot of history between those two nations. There was a good little article um in ESPN about Zaka and uh Shakiri and their history and um, their childhood and some of the, you know, historical stuff and political stuff between Serbia and Switzerland. So definitely worth, you know, good for them that they won that contest. It was three, two. I didn't get to watch it, but it was, it was a good game, but I don't see Switzerland as a quarter finalist team. I actually feel like of all the, well, not of all the underdogs, but when you look at the underdogs being USA, Australia, Senegal, Poland, Uh, Japan, South Korea, Morocco, Switzerland. I mean, Switzerland is probably like the third best, probably in terms of the world ranking. But for me, I, I just don't see that. I would, I would, I mean, again, I know South Korea is playing Brazil, but I fancy South Korea to make a run more than Switzerland or even, you know, Senegal. Obviously, that didn't happen. Right. But let me ask you this question the Netherlands and Argentina, because, Ooh. you know, that game's going to happen by the next time we're on. So, You know, we don't know what the other two quarterfinals will be, but I'm going to ask you. Netherlands, Argentina, and England and France. Wow. What, what are your, yeah, what do you think? And hopefully we'll get to do a few, you know, extra podcasts this week because this is, this is, it's going to be really juicy, right? I think Argentina is going to win it. And then I think they're going to face Brazil in the quarterfinals. Um, and get, get this, the quarter, the set, the quarterfinals, are already incredible, right? Uh, we got France against England, and potentially we might get a Brazil, I mean, sorry, it's Spain versus Portugal. So we definitely should make another episode before Friday uh, when the Netherlands play Argentina, just because this is going to get juicy. And we have two weeks until um, the champion of the world gets that beautiful trophy. And so I cannot believe I'm saying this, but... We're almost there. And so, um, yeah, man. Did you give me England and France, though? Yeah, I think... I want you to pick one. I think England is going to win uh, simply because really? of their defense. France, France also, I know you're going to... I know you know this already, but France has gotten score on more than England has this World Cup. And the defense mm. looks kind of shaky. Even the narrators of Fox Sports were saying that the friends even getting a goal, even if it's a penalty, speaks of their defense. And I just think England has a way stronger defense. And believe it or not, this might be controversial. I think England has a deeper squad than France does um, when, I mean, when it comes to names and important players. They're I mean, probably the two deepest squads. You know, I'm, right. I'm sure they're up there. Yeah. What do the, you think? I, who's, who's winning I, that one? Well, I like England and I want England, so it's hard for me to pick them against France because I get like, uh, you know, they're my team. So my thought is that they're probably going to lose because <laughs> does anything ever go right for me? But no, I, I would love England to beat France. I hope they do because I don't want France to win the World Cup. It's just it'd be too many times, especially with I don't know. It just it feels like this this French team has is, is old news. It used to be yep. exciting. And now it now they've become like the Patriots when they were too dominant and it would be more exciting To see, to see someone else win. And, and to be honest, I've always had a thing for the Netherlands. So sorry, Messi and all that <laughs> stuff. Argentina does nothing for me. I don't, I'm not a big Argentina fan. You should so have I a thing. I would love to see. Sorry, go ahead. 
No, my boy Steven Bergwijn's on the Netherlands. I like the Netherlands. I want the Netherlands. You should go for friends because my wife today was saying, uh, she heard me hate on friends and and she was like, wait, 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 wait. Landry is a French last name. It's your last name. Um, And so, I don't know. I was like, wait, but Jake also hates on friends. So I I don't know. know. (laughs) Well, you know, I. I, my, my hate is not just reserved. My hate is objective <laughs> based on what I see and exactly. not just my relations. You know, I'll hate on, I'll hate on my grandma if I have to, Respect. To, to, you know, if that's what the, the stats tell me right, right, I right. see on the field. If my grandma was out there and she wasn't playing well, I would <laughs> you, you would not bet on her. It. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that's pretty but, fair. That's pretty fair because it's unbiased. And so, um, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, that's unbiased. Right. I'm just really excited for this, uh, I have to say this before we finish, Jake. This has been the less controversial World Cup. Well, you know, if you forget the political and the human rights infringements and everything. But as it relates to soccer, like football itself, this has been the least dramatic or... or uh, uh, I don't know how to say it, but we haven't had calls, referee calls, I know there's a few, but even those were questionable, that were yeah. like like just like in your face bad decisions made by referees and uh, maybe Uruguay like you were saying, had a penalty Kamani that should have been given, but yeah, even that's but... questionable because he kind of fell to the floor, but what I'm saying is I'm excited for football, the future of football is wonderful, uh, there's a lot of wonderful things happening, technology I'm all for technology, people can hit on bar every, every, you know, all they want but yeah, just really excited about football uh, in general. Yeah, and we will, you know, we'll be back this week. I agree. We'll make sure to do an episode when we have some more results in the next couple of days, and we'll talk more because I actually did teaser for next episode. I wanted to talk to you about this whole soccer versus football thing, and I think it's just <laughs> like so ridiculous. No, I hate it, and and I hate it in terms of like, I don't know. I just don't think Americans being like, oh no, it's soccer when. No, like I'm not right. So preview. I'm not all about that. And I'd like to talk it out with you because we kind of text about it. But anyway, everyone, we'll see you later this week. Okay? Thanks for listening, everybody. I can't wait for that. See you next week. <laughs>